you laughing at already? I don't know. I just we just rose for like. I'm Emily. I'm Molly. And together we are stupid genius. Stupid genius. Um. <laughs> I don't know why I'm feeling so giggly already. I don't know oh, what's no. going on. It's a good sign. It's a good sign. It's, we got exciting, well, I guess not an exciting episode, but some exciting moments. <laughs> I think so. I definitely think so. How's your, well, um, how's well, your week been so far and your weekend? Was it all right? Yes. Very busy, full of like lots and different things, like lots of, I was here, there and everywhere. Um, but we're halfway through the week. It's hump day, which means we're getting there. The week is nearly over. And, um, I feel like it needs to be work is a lot at the moment. So I know you feel the same. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, I, I didn't, I mean, yeah, didn't really have a weekend. <laughs> oh. You know, we're very, very anti that. Like it's just, it goes beyond my, um, our beliefs into overworking and stuff like that. But. I did make time to go to the Lake District um, and did a four-hour, five-hour hike, so that was nice. It's mad, isn't it, to think that some people work like that every week? I don't know how they do it. I honestly no. don't know how they do it. Like, I am, I'm clinging on. <laughs> to, to, I, I think how do they do, do it? it for a time before you get burnt out, I think. Yeah, but I know people that do it consistently and have done for quite a while, so... Maybe they just really love what they do. I don't think I ever will ever love anything that much that I want to do it all the time. All the time. Yeah. No, me neither. <laughs> it's like I enjoy what I do, but I don't think I couldn't. Same with like I enjoy hiking. I could not fucking do that as a full time thing all time. Like I couldn't be hiking all day. Yeah, too much of anything. Hiking all day. Oh, too much of anything is not good, is it? No. I agree. Have you got a stupid forest though, Em? I do. I, <laughs> so, um, last week I was talking about how I had an interview, um, for this job, uh, teaching associate at Lancaster Uni. Um, and my stupid is I didn't get it. I failed. I, um, in getting the job, I did not do that great in the interview either. And I know I, when I was saying this to everyone, they were like, Oh, you don't really know. Like, I'm sure you did fine. And I was thinking, well, like, yes, yeah, like, I don't, I could, it could have gone better than I thought, because we always think mm. about the negatives and we always mull over, but there's something inside me that just feels like I just, I let the nerves get the better of me, and, um, and I didn't, I didn't, I didn't do that well, <laughs> like, I just I didn't wonder do that what well. it was that, like, that allowed, not allowed that's happened, but I do feel like you're normally quite good at, like, overcoming the nerves or being able to, like, just perform when you need to so I wonder what it is about that specific experience of being at that particular whether it was that particular uni or that particular job role or whatever it was that sort of got the better of you yeah. I wonder I think every know. now and then you just so things just happen don't doesn't they and like I'm usually really good at perform- like I, I felt like you know what no matter how I feel I know I feel like I'm capable of reaching in somewhere into that bottomless pit and grabbing something and being able to like deliver that's what I'm really, I like, I pride myself on that. And sometimes it just doesn't happen. And even, um, even I have my down. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you were working a lot, like in the lead up to it, preparing for 
the interview, but also like applying for loads of different jobs, which in itself is exhausting whilst trying to maintain the PhD. So it may have had nothing to do with the job itself that you were going for or the context or the environment or anything like that. It might have just been that you yourself were not feeling great. And I agree. I think I was I think I was a little bit overwhelmed in the sense of, yeah, I was applying for jobs. I was cramming like deadlines for my PhD. And that day I had teaching as well. Um, so I had, I literally went from like waking up, prepping for the interview, going to teach for two hours, driving straight there, doing the interview. I was pooped. <laughs> it was a manic day, wasn't it? When you said to me you were teaching in the morning, I was like, what? I know. Because it just should be like and a protected time, shouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I think, yeah, that along with, I don't think, um, when I think about it, it probably, it probably isn't. I don't know how, it wasn't a job I realistically, I wouldn't have minded it, but it was a pure teaching job and I love research. So I think as well, there was an element of, I don't know if I actually want this job. Um, yeah, your heart wasn't in it. Yeah. So I think, so I think there was no real like drive to, to, to succeed, but I don't know. I'll, I'll get feedback back and they might just say, yeah, no, you, you did really well in the interview. We just, there was someone better suited for the role. But yeah. I do think the feedback will be really good. So it would be nice. It would be nice to hear it. Scary. I don't want to hear it's it because so I want to be like giving feedback. It's really quite rare to get feedback. So it's really nice that they're doing it. They're such a good uni. You know what? And the team was lovely. And it got when I went there, I was like, oh, I would love to work for these people and where it is. And it's amazing. But yeah, so um, I'm excited to see the feedback. And I want to be like, yeah, I know. <laughs> I sucked in the interview. <laughs> I know I did. I know you mean, like, it's good when the feedback confirms what you thought. Whereas if, like, you you think one thing and then it says something completely different that you thought was okay, and then that's the bit they feedback on, you're like, fuck. Yeah, I'm you're sure like, oh, happen. shit. Okay, I need to work on that. I love, I do like feedback because then it's like, all right, I need to work on it, even though it's fucking daunting. Um, What's your stupid? Um, so. My stupid, I think it was last week on the podcast, I was talking about how I'd put in for like the grade higher of my same job. Like my school is advertising for a lecturer in in a grade eight role of my job, which is a grade seven. And I was advised um, by management to like apply for it through that way. So put in an application form on the external LJMU website, like you would if you didn't work for LJMU, et cetera. You know, put in a proper application. Well, the normal way you would or you would think to like, okay, the job's come up. I'm going to apply. Right? Yeah, go for it. Exactly. <laughs> and then after I'd spent not like loads of time, but probably like a few hours, like yeah. it probably took like a day to get it all together. Yeah, and, do you know what I mean? Of course. Um, once I'd done that, then I was actually informed that senior management don't actually like people to go through that route, like internal staff, because one thing or another. So I was advised to withdraw the application and submit what we call here like a a, a regrade form. So you're basically you're just like you have to it's this and it's a totally different form that, that requires totally different information. Yeah. Um that basically says it justifies why your job role is different, why you should get the grade higher. Um, Can I just better. say, it's just not your stupid. It's just not. I know it's like a, an annoyance and a, a like a, oh, but it's well, just not your stupid. Like they should, surely they should put that in the, in the details. If you are internal, 
apply through this method i right? don't think it's like an official thing i think it's what they like a, a, a preference thing because then well, yesterday then... <laughs> when i was speaking to management about it again they sort of said oh have you withdrawn the application and i was like yeah and they're like oh i don't think you should have i think you should have left it in and see what happened Fuck sort of thing. so i don't know it's one of those i think it, it sort of signifies like a broader challenge that I'm having in the in the job role and you know you hear a lot of ECAs talk about the challenges of the first couple of years in the job role as a lecturer um because it is difficult and I think you know you don't receive any induction any onboarding it's very much like here's the go, job go, go. go and do it but as a result I often end up doing things once twice three times not because I'm necessarily getting it wrong but because I'm constantly on the back foot. I don't actually know what is what I'm meant to do, what's expected of me. So I'm trying to do it. It's like with the marking. I said last week, you know, for the last two weeks, I said I thought I finished it. Well, technically, that could have been a stupid this week because, again, this week, there was a whole nother administrative task that needed doing with it that I had no awareness of. Um, so it's just I feel like I'm swimming upstream at the moment. Yeah. And I feel like I feel like very similar in very different ways to you. It's like. This is probably how this and it's it's hard to remember how we felt in the first year of a PhD, but everything you're describing feels like what we were experiencing and probably everyone's experiencing in their first year of their PhD or or even in the first like year of a job when you're settling in somewhere. It's so. Yeah. Feeling a bit lost. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I'm I I, I forgot how by doing these interviews, I forgot how um I felt during it reminded me how I felt during the first few presentations I gave in my PhD, which was like so nerve wracking, mm. feeling so sick and so like, oh, my God, I'm going to have to pre- present to these people. Now, when I present, I don't really like it. Like, I guess it's a nice sign. It gets better. <laughs> it get, it will yeah, get better. it definitely does. It really does. I think just <laughs> exhausting in the time being. Is, I think by the time you get to the end of your PhD, you finally reach I think you and I definitely shared this within the last sort of year you reach this sort of feeling of comfort and you're quite you know who you are as a PhD student you really know the system you know the institution you you just feel quite I did I felt settled I felt safe I felt quite secure in what I was doing and then obviously starting anything new and different you're having to learn the ropes again aren't you and it's exhausting because you have to learn everything on top of doing everything and that's what's you know and that's what's like there's no space for you to learn because you're like i'm only i've got these many this many tasks yeah. where do i learn to do these tasks so, and it's like yeah. i'm looking you know we talk a lot about blocking out the calendar mm. um which i love you know we both have said that lots of times how how useful it is to do that but the last like two days because of this thing with the regrade my calendar has been blocked out for writing this paper and I've not touched it because I've been yeah. writing this new regrade form so it just shoves everything else back doesn't it when these things come up and I know you're feeling that with the job applications and the job interviews that every time you do that it's like counterproductive because you're not doing the PhD which needs to be finished so it's like to get these jobs yeah. <laughs> so and like that happened throughout my whole PhD actually like I was like okay well I've blocked out a period where I write and then someone last minute calls you for something or, oh, there's a new deadline for this. And you're like, oh, okay, well, uh, I was going to do that. Okay. All right. This is new upcoming. And then you, sometimes it felt like I never had time to do my actual PhD and it still feels like that. It's like, oh my God, when am I going to get time to do my actual PhD? Like, come on. (laughs) Totally. And I think it's like, 
it makes me think more, you know, and we're going to do an episode on this. We've got one upcoming about the union strikes at the yes. universities and things like that. And I'm realising more, you know, when you hear lecturers discuss about how the workload is just increasing so much more because all these administrative tasks that stop you from doing the work that actually get you well promoted or move mm-hmm. your career along, like research, things like that. They're, you know, you didn't used to have to do them. They're all like more and more gets put on your pile, doesn't it? And I think. Yeah. And it's also yeah. the problem with EDI, like equity, diversity, inclusivity in terms of like, you know, we there's a lot of people that want to commit and want to do, um, I guess, tasks and help progress this issue. But then we keep getting pulled away from it and that gets put on the back burner because it's not. You know, like it's it's like, oh, no, now we need to do this task and we've been asked to, you know, support yeah. this or we've been asked to do this. And it's like, oh, OK, well, that that can wait. And actually, I mean, that's that's a whole other issue that we we're not going to discuss. today. No, but you're so right, because you don't you know, like when you're a lecturer, you know, we've talked about this before. You have your workload allocation and things give you a certain amount of hours. So if you supervise a student, a PhD student, that might be 10, 15 hours a year, whatever. These things like the EDI projects or all the intense administration you have to do doesn't get workload allocation. So, oh, God, sorry. I don't know if you can hear that. Albie's giving us a right little chatter. No, I can't hear it. But my belly also rumbles. So I don't know if you can hear that. <laughs> have you got a genius for us? Um, I do actually have two, which is Ooh. good. Um, firstly, it's um, last night. Uh, it's a bit of a stupid. I worked till bloody half 10, 11. Um, but I sent off my um, just a, a thesis chapter to just just a little thesis just- chapter. I know I don't know what happened it was 15 when I left you at four o'clock yeah well that's the fun that was just the findings I then obviously oh. had the so it's like about 5,000 for the intro methods and discussion oh I see I thought you would just send in your findings no 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 so I sent oh, oh that's mad so you're fine because in my thesis, my discussion chapter was about the same length as my findings. Well, I haven't so, done my discussion chapter. Oh, well, you just said it was 5,000 words for your intro methods and discussion. Yeah, we have. We've discussed it before, Molly. <laughs> we need to do our episode on it. I have, I don't, I have an introduction. So this is how my thesis will look. An introduction over the whole, introducing the whole thesis. thesis. Yeah. And I'll have study one that will include an introduction methods results discussion then i'll have a study two another chapter that will also do the same process yeah i get that study three then they'll also do the same process and then i'll have a discussion that discusses all the three um studies right yeah so right now it's just one thesis chapter of a study that i've done yeah yeah i get it so you're saving the big discussion for when you discuss all three of them together yes yeah 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 so when i was talking about like i need i'm writing my discussion it was just for my um Find, like my my home visit study which was the interviews and mm. the, their assessments so that's mad isn't it so if that if that paper's twenty thousand words that chapter yeah. isn't your whole thesis only 40 so that's that's quite weighty compared to the other two isn't it yeah yeah and i think well i think i'll get a, a big little mark that says reduce this down <laughs> a big little mark i hate those big little marks i hate those big little marks well it's, it's it's a big it's a big mark in terms of but it's like a little task reducing down is not that 
bad, I don't think. Reducing down is better than beefing up. Oh my god, 100%. And In also, a way, depends. Yeah. Depends how well, how, depends how good you think it is. It's really soul destroying when you think you've written really good stuff and then you've got to delete it. But that's well, something you have to become very used to as a PhD student, just knowing when to scrap your work. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I know what will be needed to scrap will be the bindings that needs to be reduced. But also, at the same time, other studies are like 3,000 words. So it's, it's kind of nice in a way that there's like this chunky qualitative study in the middle of two quantitative studies. I think, I think I can argue for why that's needed in terms of, yeah. yeah well, my, it's got to be bigger because it's qualitative. Like, right? Like, it's just I don't whether know. Happy we'll see what they being, say. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's it's happy it. being that much bigger, isn't it? But yeah. And it's nice that it's off my, off my desk. So that's done. And now yes. I'm analyzing some data. Oh, um, best feeling ever. I hope you do I a know. little celebration. Maybe go get yourself a brownie or something. Got no job, Molly. Can't afford it. <laughs> Emily, shut up. Celebrate the little wins. You've got it. You've I got know. To do something. I'll celebrate it by doing, um, doing a nice little walk or something. <laughs> Do something. I will do something. I will do something. I am, um, but I think a bigger genius. I don't know. It feels bigger. I've been so go, go, go this week. And just this morning, I mean, I was meant to be showering, but I just sat and watched, like looked outside the window and drank my coffee for about an hour. Not, no, no, like, no, like what, like usually I'll be watching something or scrolling or doing something or, yeah. you know, there's something going on. Literally just sat. Oh, that's so lovely. And I just really, I was like, whoa, I haven't had time to do this. <laughs> just Yeah, and you deserve it. You need that time. I bloody hell, I wish I'd done that this morning. I've had a very different morning. <laughs> <laughs> well, I need to shower now and I'm a bit gross. So like, Yeah, no, I'm nice and showered, but I've done some washing. I've put the dishwasher on. I've actually put all my hairdressers in, my hairdressers, my hair brushes in the dishwasher. <laughs> Molly, actually, this is why she looks so good. She has a rotation of hairdressers in her house. <laughs> Yeah, can you imagine? Fucking hell, they're not doing a great job, are they? Um, <laughs> if that was the case. No, I've put all my hairbrushes in the dishwasher this morning. I'm quite excited to see what the result is. Oh. I know. Is that <laughs> Do your you genius? my genius? <laughs> That's not I my genius. that was it. No. <laughs> you should put, you put your it might be. It depends how they come out. If they come out good, I'm going to put all my makeup brushes in as well. Yeah. Oh, in the dishwasher? I know. That's scary. I know it is a bit scary, isn't it? Maybe I'll just do one. Try yeah, one. Yeah, I think so. Um, but no, my genius is that I had some really lovely student feedback so we got our module evaluation reports from last semester um last week and at first when i don't know if you've done this before but when you're when you're on a like a teaching team on a module you get um you at first you get all your stats like the satisfaction in terms of percentages like it breaks it down in terms of different things like how easy was it to access support how good was the teaching you know it's pretty savage really to see like the actual feedback like that but it was pretty good especially considering we had quite a lot of turbulence on the module we had staff sickness and stuff like that anyway then a few days later we got the qualitative feedback and it's so nice like loads of the comments actually name me and they're just so nice like some of them are like molly was a saving grace on this module molly we loved how molly delivered the sessions like molly made me want to work harder i was like yeah i saw them so they were nice. so nice especially coming from students i know that we're like students students aren't the devil they are lovely but they never go out of their way to say good things. no they prefer to say the constructive stuff which i yeah, get and i think that's everyone like if i was if i was ever to leave a review it would probably, if something was really shit, I'd be like, yeah. do not do this. Like, but so it was so nice to know that it you, is nice. you know, I think and because last semester it was a tough semester. I had a lot of 
teaching as everyone knows I was teaching on two big core modules so like 250 students on each module and just sort of like and one of them I was module leading on so just that the nature of that beast is stressful and as I say particularly because we had issues with like staff sickness and different things on that module I was expecting like dire (laughs) feedback in a way so it makes it it makes it worth it when you get things like that and we rarely see actual like feedback like that I feel like in in academia you rarely see like positive it's always like okay what's bad what can we do better what can we do better what can you do better absolutely and like you don't you you were saving grace Molly (laughs) change your name change your name to grace I should before we get onto our main ramble we've got something really 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 exciting really 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 very good go on and you you introduce it for us so um if you are an avid listener, you would know. If you're not, then go back and listen. Oh, I reckon that's me. Sorry, what? I just, did you not hear it? Okay, fine. <laughs> I just received an email or something, a notification, and I went, Bring. what did I say before we started this call? Emily, I put your laptop on focus assist. <laughs> Who's focus. the technological idiot now? Me, me, because that, that, I don't even know what that means. Um, Anyway. We have been, um, we have, we have a giveaway to give away. <laughs> to say that without saying. So, um, I made a crocheted bag in a lovely stupid genius red. It's, it's, it is lovely. I actually want to keep it for myself, but sadly we can't. And so we got people to comment on, um, our Instagram post and we have put it into this wheel of fame, right? The Wheel of Fortune. The Wheel of Fortune. We have. Um, so I've got all the names here. There's about a hundred that have gone in. Wow. And um I'm doing a screen record so we can share it with our listeners. I'm about to press spin em. Oh my god. Are okay. you ready? Can I'm you actually wait, scared. Can you scared. I'm actually wait. scared. Okay, okay, here we go. Let me just make sure it's recording because that would be really sad if it wasn't. Oh my god. Okay, it's definitely recording. The spinner is on. One, yep. two, three. I'm tapping. It's spinning. It's spinning. It's spinning. Oh, it's spinning. Oh. oh, who is it? It is. It's our girl. It's Bethology. <laughs> no way. No way. Oh Bethology, who has been a friend to the show for a long time. She's actually yeah. been on the show. Oh my god, that's so exciting! It's gonna look so good on her as well. Like she wears such cool outfits. Oh my god, it yes. definitely will. Yes. That's amazing. I'm oh buzzing. my god, I can't Yay. wait to share that on the Instagram. Yeah, I can't wait. Oh my god, excited! How are we going to talk it's... about our topic today now? Because I'm all buzzy with like excitement. I was going to say if you want to, if you don't know our Instagram, it's supergenius underscore pod. You should do. You probably, you probably heard it fucking a million times, but there you go. There's it. Yeah. There's it again. Um, it in their sleep. We've fucking Apple for 30 minutes, Molly. About that. Makes sense. Let's get on to the actual ramble now. (laughs) Let's go. Right. So today, in honour of Molly um, not getting the job, we're going to talk about failure. And I find that hard to say. And I don't know well, why. Well, yeah, if you say it like that, failure. Fa- failure. 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 Yeah. Or you could just say failing. If Failing. Yeah. So um, obviously the reason we want to talk about this topic is that I have recently failed. And 
I say fail, failed like loosely. I think like, yes, I guess on paper I didn't get the job. So therefore I didn't succeed. So therefore I failed, but I don't really see it that way. But I guess we'll come on to that and we'll talk about all sorts of things. Um, but I will say that it didn't make me feel good. <laughs> it, it sucked actually. Um, I was a little bit upset and, and actually it made me super nervous and made me feel like, Oh, if I failed this, it made me even more nervous than this. Like I had this fear of failing again when I went into, um, the interview I had a few days ago. Um, and that made me so anxious and so paranoid. And I, I built it up and I was like, Oh my God, I'm, I'm just a failure. I can't, I don't know what to do. And, and I really was getting stressed and putting off, I guess, revising, um, or like, you know, preparing for this next interview. Cause I was like, fuck it. I can't do it. I'm not very good at interview. Like, you know, I became like quite dramatic in this defeated attitude. And I then started procrastinating. Um, just like doing anything because I was paralyzed in this fear of failing. So I was like, if I don't do anything, I'm not failing. Um, Yeah. Well, it's like survival, isn't it? Like, like you said, failing doesn't feel good, but we all fail. But then when we experience failure, yeah, it doesn't get those endorphins going. So you're going to do your best to avoid it again. And sometimes that means avoiding that thing which yeah procrastination must be like a key thing there yeah and so again i'm throwing something at you molly <laughs> and uh, come on then Check i it come at across me. the different kind of procrastinators and i want to know um obviously they probably change with what you're feeling and what you're procrastinating but i want to know what procrastinator you are okay so firstly we have the warrior oh my belly's rumbling could you hear that no no but you okay. should eat Yeah, it's bad. It's bad habit. Um, you are so worried that things will not succeed or get done in time that you can't even start. That was me. That's been you this week. No, that's Um, not me. No, the perfectionist. Maybe you. (laughs) You need everything to be absolutely perfect and keep waiting for the best moment to start. Not you, actually. Yeah, I think I know what type of procrastinator I am, but I don't know if it's actually on this list. So let's see. Yeah. I mean, I think I resonate with every single one of these. Um, the overdoer, you have taken up way too many things on your plate and don't need, don't even know how to begin. Maybe a bit of that one. Definitely Maybe a bit of that one. Yeah. The fickle mind, you are too distracted and can't seem to bring yourself to focus on one task and finish it. Also me. <laughs> I think I'm every one of these. <laughs> the last minister. You always um think there's enough time and keep waiting for the last minute to finish things. Also me. That's you. That's not me either, I don't think. I think I'm quite a specific I, type. I would say you're not really a procrastinator. You're very good at getting shit done. Um, I I do procrastinate, but go on. Um, we got two more. We got it. two more. Okay. The dreamer. You have um yeah. grand, <laughs> wonderful ideas, and you love to dream about them. And regularly work, and regular work seems to bore you. I mean, yes, but no, if you, you know, like yeah, I yeah, actually. Yeah, obviously, I think everyone, everyone obviously has that. Um, the rebel, you don't feel like doing regular world tasks because you don't think they are worth wasting your time <laughs> on. I think that's the one that I don't, that I don't. I was going to say that's do. probably the majority of academics. Um, <laughs> do you know what? I think mine's the overdoer in the sense of, um, definitely I, I either take on too much at the same time and then like at the moment it's that feeling of like there's 10 things I need to do and so I sort of 
don't even know how to start with them. So I just won't or like I'll do bits of them or yeah, I, I allow other tasks to be a reason why I avoid other tasks. If that makes 100%. sense. Yeah, I do that all the yeah. time. I'm like, whoa, 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 okay, wait, I've got to just do this first and then I'll get to that. Yeah. Oh, no, I'll just this first until I get to that. Like, like, for example, at the moment, this regrade thing, there's no timeline on that. There's no deadline for it. I can submit it literally whenever. I could literally submit it never. But I want to do it now. But is it like, do I? Oh, I do. But then also, am I avoiding writing this paper, which is due on the 15th? Yeah, probably. probably. <laughs> because it's hard. I always avoid tasks that I'm like, oh, that's so hard. Oh, my God. Like, oh, I'll do yeah. that when I'm in the right frame of mind. Like, if exactly. that's called eat the frog. I was going to say it comes back to that frog, doesn't it? That bloody comes back frog. That bloody frog. I'm a vegetarian. I don't want to eat it. Well, that's quite interesting. And listeners, have a think about which type you are. I guess identifying which type you are can help you to identify when you're doing it and therefore maybe put things in place to help you stop. Yeah. Or just, yeah. Or just wallow in your procrastination. and, and Yeah, fucking anything. enjoy yeah, fuck it. it. Don't progress. <laughs> I'm going to move us on to our topic today. So as Em's already introduced, we're talking all about failing because, <laughs> because as I've already hinted, we're all going to fail. Oh, yeah. Sorry, guys. Unlucky. You're going to fail. You might have already failed. You should can have, I, really. You're not doing something say, right if you I haven't. Put up a post and like a poll on Instagram and a hundred percent, a hundred percent said they had failed in their academic career. Yeah, it was not one failed. person that didn't didn't not fail. So you've either failed or you're deluded. It's one of the two, isn't it? Yeah. Um. So a lot of the ideas that we're going to be talking about today are either taken from or inspired by a talk that Emily and I attended, um, at the Casual Conference, actually where we were panelists, um, and it was a talk by Professor Joe Moran, who is a cultural historian, and he's actually based here at LJMU in the Faculty of Arts, Professional and Social Studies. I think that's what it is. APSS, whatever. Um, so, yeah, his talk was really inspiring and he talked all about this idea of failing well. And that's what we want to chat about today. So Joe was saying that there's this message that we should use failure to learn and to grow. And I think actually, as stupid genius, we do take this rhetoric quite a lot that, yeah. you know, it's never really a failure. It's a hurdle that you have to overcome on your way to success. And even if it feels like a failure it probably isn't because you're going to learn something from it or you're going to grow from it um etc etc and I'm not abandoning those thoughts because I think there's something in that but I think it's really interesting to look at it from a different perspective which is the perspective that Joe sort of shared with us so he says that yeah that's okay but success will not always find you yeah it just won't okay and I guess it's quite like a radical maybe seemingly pessimistic way of thinking but bear with us because we're going to talk about it more throughout the episode and I think he might be onto something yeah um but Emma I want to ask you first what do you think about this idea that success will not always find you is that something that you believe because in your introduction before when you were talking about the interview you sort of said well I fail but it it was a soft failure because actually you know, so you sort of yeah. tapped into that thing of maybe it is actually a learning opportunity and, and that there was success in the failure. But can you have? I do think, yeah, I, I think it's an interesting one. Again, we've talked, we talked about it. What, what is success to you? You know, but when we talk about it on the academic scale, I guess we're thinking about, you know, 
um publications awards this and that like when we we're going to direct it towards you know academic success and um and yeah i mean i believe that well i again like i said everyone's going to fail so if you're failing you're maybe not always succeeding so yeah sometimes success won't find you but i also believe that like yeah you might go you might go through your academic life and not win those awards and not be a high achiever. You might just be, you know, doing the steps to get, and that might be absolute. That mean that doesn't mean you're not successful. So I think, I think it's a complicated one in the sense of, I do believe that, I do believe that, like in terms of awards, they might not find you. And to be honest, what the fuck does awards mean? Like, you know, it's it's like. Yes, it's a recognition of your um, achievements, but also it doesn't dismiss, dismiss the other people that applied achievements. They still achieved yeah, so a lot. I guess you're saying it depends on how you define success. Yeah, I guess so. And I think, yeah, there are times where you you do just fail. And I think that I think I think I believe that more than you because we've had discussions about this and you're yeah. really good at finding always finding the like okay but the arc of it like you're always good at finding okay well no but what about this but what about that and and I think that's good but I also think that you know it could potentially sometimes dismiss um I guess because I used to do that a lot and I think it potentially dismissed my emotions a lot of the time and I didn't actually allow myself to feel like oh wait no this is just shit and that's okay and like feel it and like go for it but also don't sit in it like still take that positive view of like no but you this you know we can progress from this it's not we're not standing still Mm -hmm. in it um yeah so i think it's something i've always done but i think listening to that talk from joe and the ideas that we'll talk about over the next you know like few minutes is definitely made me question it for sure yeah yeah and i think well it leads nicely on to like he described um this like when you're discussing success success and failure, he said that sometimes we need to be wary of this cruel optimism. And I guess that's what I'm get, alluding to is that I think often at times we fall into this cruel optimism. Um, me and you. Sorry, I'm dragging you down with me. No, think, it's true. I'm guilty. I think, <laughs> I think we're guilty. Um, and the term cruel optimism was coined by the cultural, cultural theor- theorist. <laughs> I'm getting a lot of saliva in my mouth, but I don't know why. <laughs> nice (laughs) professor lauren bertlin in her book by the same name it's the idea of believing in something that isn't in reality when the things you desire actually acts as an obstacle to your flourishing lots of people uh, might be told as children i know i was told this and actually i still see some positive in it (laughs) like i think it helped me a lot um you can be anything you want to be if you just set your mind to it but again, sometimes that's not as realistic as it can be, you know, like sometimes you can't, I mean, you can't be a dinosaur, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know though. I watched that documentary about people that think they're mermaids, but let's, let's just move let's, on. Let's not, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, because as much as we wish it did, failure cannot always be avoided through positive thinking. And Joe says something that's, um, kind of it's kind of yeah he said it's kind of to be less optimistic basically um and I guess I wanted to know we we were sat there and we have very similar 
views. We often agree on things. So I reckon you have, <laughs> I reckon you have sort of similar views to me. So how do you feel about this idea that failure can't be avoided through positive thinking? Yeah. And it, I think that's definitely true, to be honest, when, when I actually think about it critically, because it's slightly different to the previous question, isn't it? Which is this idea of turning your failures into perceived successes through positive thinking. But this idea that actually, um, you know, we actually can avoid failure through positive thinking just in the first place. I do think that's quite a pervasive thought. And it's something that maybe in certain cultures, I don't know, this might be a generalization, but you know, the idea of like in America where you can have the American dream and be what whoever you want to be through like positive thinking and going after mm. and being a go-getter and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I think it's bullshit. I think it's yeah. bullshit. Like, because if, you know, depending on, I don't know, your socioeconomic status or just like where you were born or what you look like or there's yeah, so many barriers that you have factors, to overcome. there's yeah. so many barriers, yeah, that that might attribute to your failure or even just like environmental factors and things like that. So I, like you, I'm a massive advocate of positive thinking, but and manifestation and, and, you know, because yeah. it goes against all of that, like manifest positive thinking, you know, positive visualization. It kind of goes against all of that. Well, but it also doesn't. Goes, yeah. I don't think it goes against it because I think there's a place for that. And I know that that supports me in my successes when I do well it is because I do those things in part, but actually I have failed in spite of doing those things. So it doesn't, I guess all of those things are helpful, but they don't guarantee that you're going to succeed, do they? And that's the key thing maybe. Yeah, sometimes we just fail. And there's like, again, like we're going to draw that home. No rhyme or reason. Yeah. It doesn't reflect on your ability at all. So it's the most human thing in the world. Honestly, it really is. <laughs> we, yeah. Um, next yeah, so, we want to, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so I was just thinking like, yeah, it is the most human thing in the world. And uh, I thought about apart from uh, eating and pooping. <laughs> nice and I was like don't say that out loud you got away with words you really do next we wanted to chat about the academic experience and why I guess it well he talked about how it promotes failure and um this is when I sort of took a little back seat and like leant back in my chair and wanted to hear about what he meant um and he talked about some really interesting stuff didn't he he talked he did he talked a lot of sense I mean um Joe is like our new (laughs) you can tell we we like Joe um but he's great he basically explained that the phenomena of celebrating success particularly academic success and this is something um you touched on at the beginning of the episode um through recognition means so like awards prizes this can actually be really problematic because it pushes academics to make work their life um and it taps into that idea that uh work won't love you back and instead that work presents a series of never ending demands which is something you know talked about at the beginning this is basically something i'm very much feeling at the moment and mm-hmm. you know when i when i speak to friends and stuff and they're having similar issues i say to them like if you left tomorrow work wouldn't give a shit they just replace no. you this and is it something is true. it will this never is something i have to learn you know when you, you have like to learn it. 16 i remember being like well i'm just gonna quit and then they're gonna be lost without me you very quickly learn that they are going to be absolutely fine yeah. without you. And it's a tough lesson to learn because no one wants to feel replaceable. But we are. Work doesn't care about you. And it's funny because not only Joe believes this. I remember we went to the PGR festival and Zine, I can't remember, Dr. Zine, um, 
Do you remember her full name? I can't remember her full name, which is really no, annoying. Sorry. She also did a whole keynote speak, um, talk on why your institution will never like love you back. So yeah. it's not just Joe that feels this way. Oh no, it's very much like a, p- people know this. People know yeah. it, but it doesn't stop us from falling into the hole of it. Um, because he says that celebrating success makes us all more competitive, which makes sense. Um, but he says that actually we shouldn't have to compete in our teaching and research because this can lead to this. And I liked this term, this fetishizing overwork, which, you know, we've talked about the glamorization of overwork before on the podcast. Um, and it also pushes this idea that we all need to be resilient. And it also puts it actually puts the onus on us as academics to develop resilience. It's like, OK, well, yeah, this is a real cruel dog eat dog world. You've got to be competitive in order to succeed. You've got to fight for these, you know, these accolades. Um, but we're not going to make it easy for you. You just need to be more resilient, you know? Yeah. Um, and Joe explains that actually nothing will ever be enough in this academic system. No one will ever tell you. And this is something that really rings true to me at the moment. No one will ever tell you that you're doing too much. No. Um, ECAs particularly have to do, we have to do everything to try and get onto that next rung of the ladder. And I think that can be exhausting and inevitably it will lead to failure because we'll take on too much um, and we can't succeed at everything. So it seems that you sort of have to learn what you want to focus on as an academic and try and be successful in those chosen areas because, yeah, you can't succeed in everything. That will lead to failure. So, M, <laughs> I'm coming at you now. Um, have you thought ever about, and this is a big question, you might not have a specific answer to it, but have you thought about what might be your focus in your work life um, in the sense of if you are going to try and be successful in a small area of academia, you know, considering that we can't spread ourselves across all of it, what might you want your success area to be? See, it's such a loaded question. And especially because right now it's exactly what I'm contemplating. I with know. Going with new jobs. And it's and it's I go around in circles, you know, like I. I am annoying one of these people that I enjoy loads of different tasks and the thought of having to focus on one thing makes me sad but it's also it has to be done because I've been juggling all these tasks and it it doesn't you know there's there's only you've only got two hands you know um it's hard one I think I think I've been contemplating different areas, you know, when I was like, oh, maybe I'll enjoy teaching because I enjoy teaching. And okay, so maybe maybe I don't want to focus on that. What do I enjoy? What do I enjoy in my work life and outside my work life? Um, I enjoy having passion projects. I enjoy making trying to make an impact or a difference. That's what I get fulfilled from. So for me, it's focusing on the EDI initiatives and research that really steers that way into you know, help in the community, such as, you know, I study older adults and how we can prevent them from um, falling down the stairs, but also how can we improve their homes and their quality of life and and help them remain independent. And that fills me with a passion and a joy that I am maybe small helping people and maybe a grain of sand, but I'm helping people. And it feels like I'm I'm helping the community and I go to these forums and I talk to these older adults and and what I have learned from my research is that by getting the old adults involved in just chatting to them about this opens their mind up to, okay, well, 
you know, comparing the people that have been involved in previous research to the new people, they've got so much more awareness in what makes a stair a hazard or like what makes them, you know, able to move up and down the stairs. OK, I need to be physically fit. I need to do this. I need to do that. So, yeah, I think I think just focus on what that brings to me and how like there's a I don't know. And, and not I don't care about climbing the academic ladder in the sense of for what. I, that's what I've been asking myself for what, what do I, why do I need to get, you know, if I'm surviving on 17,000 a year, why do I need to climb to that next grade level? You know, why do I need to get, you know, those accolades? What does that, what does it actually mean to me? Nothing, you know, like maybe I want to get the papers out there because then that helps, you know, research go around and that's helpful, but I don't give a, sh- <laughs> I don't give a FIHD about putting, putting out papers just for putting out papers to get my, paper list longer i I've, I've like really just thought like what is the point why but then i'm having an existential crisis so <laughs> i do get the point in that and i do get it is a game that you need to play so it's so it's um i don't know i haven't answered that question but you you answer you ask me a load of question while i'm feeling vulnerable I think, molly and I, think, I think that's a really good answer though i think it shows that you are thinking about these things um and it's very well considered. You're not, I don't think you should have an answer to that yet, maybe. So the yeah. fact that you, the fact that you actually almost do, you're, you, you've, you've got a direction, I think is great because I don't, I wouldn't be able to answer that question in the same way you have. But you also know? Molly, I enjoy so many different things. So like if I was in that teaching role, I'm sure I find passion in it and teaching it and find passion in like inspiring students. So it's like so hard for me because I just think, I think whatever role someone shoves me in, um, I think I'd I'd find something that I would be like, yeah. you know what? Yeah, so fuck knows. I do think it's <laughs> interesting, like when I think about the colleagues who I know who have become maybe quote unquote successful quite quickly or, you know, they're very impressive or, you know, mm. eminent for the stage they're at. When I think about it, I do think it's those that sort of drill down on something, you yeah. know, that choose a specialist and they're like, Right. I'm going to. So like there's a there's someone in our faculty who just like is really down on gamification of of pedagogy, you know, and that's quite a new thing. And they've just gone for it and they are flying because of it, you know, and I think these people that really do pick an avenue and go for it. But obviously it's hard because, you know, the job just the the basic requirements of the job is to do so many different things. But if you can find a way to 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 put most of your energy and passion into one particular area of that. That's something I'm trying to learn anyway. Are you, yeah. Do you know, would you know what you want to focus on? No, no, <laughs> no I should have answered that as well. No, shut up. No, Don't no idea. That's why I have to do it. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's true. Well, at least we're united in that, you know? <laughs> yeah. And with this like academic experience being the way it is, it's extremely demanding. Like you said, like it is extremely demanding. And Joe says, and you're kind of alluding to it, and we've had so many discussions outside the podcast about it, as, and he puts it nicely. He says, it's this, it's hollow. <laughs> so mm. it's never full and nothing is ever going to be enough. It's only natural that with, ex, with, when, <laughs> only natural that we experience failures, um, while we're trying to navigate these environments. You know, it will take as much as it want from you. Academia will not stop and you. Yeah, you put that very nicely, Molly, I think, earlier. And um yeah, I think, in fact, if anything we can take from this, it's that failing is the one thing that 
unites us all. Again, 100% said that they had failed in their academic career. Not one person said, nah, I haven't failed. So like, it's yeah. just something that everyone will experience. Whether you Definitely. do, whether you stand still in life and decide to be paralyzed by the fear of failing and not do anything, you're therefore failing in whatever, you know, you, you won't be succeeding. So there you'll be failing. And if you then try a million different things, you'll be also failing. Either way, you're going to fail. So you yeah. may as well direct it, right? Yeah. <laughs> something you want to do. Definitely. Yeah. And like sometimes, you know, we are able to see our failures as learning experiences, as points in our lives where we change our perspective or whatever. Um, and sometimes I think, yeah, it is possible, often with hindsight, to change your view of that perceived failure to something that resembles a success. And that's sort of how we started the, the ramble today. But sometimes and perhaps more often than not as well, failure is just failure. Yeah. And I think we really want all of, you know, you geniuses, our listeners to know that that's actually OK and to mm-hmm. take comfort in that. Um, and Emily, I want to end this ramble <laughs> with another question. I'm really putting Go you on. through the ringer today. Um, can you think of a time um, when you failed and it has just been a failure so like nothing good came from it you couldn't use positive thinking to transform it into something that resembles a success it was simply a failure okay yeah i i do because it's very recent and happened very recently and you i think molly the um we'll have a debate try and challenge me on why on why you might have learned something from it and i'm gonna try my hardest okay i'll be devil's advocate guys i'm not just being a cow right (laughs) Oh, when everyone says something, sorry, the red flag if anyone says devil's advocate. Not the same you you are. You asked me to be devil's advocate though. (laughs) No, but you know when like you're having a discussion and someone goes, just to be devil's advocate. Yeah. (laughs) And have it harder than women. (laughs) It's usually like coated with that, isn't it? I feel Um, like you can't do two philosophy degrees like me and not like be devil's advocate. Oh my but god, 100%. The, yeah, you want go qualifications for it. I'm talking about the people down the pub that just go, <laughs> just to be devil's advocate. <laughs> um, anyway, so <laughs> the failure, um, was, I don't know whether people remember it, but a few, probably like a month ago, I applied for a postdoc position. I had a, um, meeting with the person who, uh, is running it, I guess, who got the funding. And then they said, yes, you should apply for this position. I applied for the position and I got rejected. I asked for feedback and they said, look, it was really, really good. The only thing that we, um, why we didn't pick you is because other people applied that had similar postdoc, previous postdoc experience in it and also had a PhD already. So therefore I just think, it's a failure. Like I didn't learn anything from it. What did I learn? I don't Do you know, know what, what I learned from it, Molly. <laughs> I'm smiling because I can already see how those positive. <laughs> no, you can't. It's just so Go bad because it literally. But I'm being devil's advocate. Yeah, because I know it defies everything we've just talked about. Failing, being failing, and yeah, it was a failure. But do you not think that was the first time you ever applied for? a proper EDI role and do you not think that the process of going through that application reading about the project putting yourself forward for it sort of um crafting your CV and application towards that EDI role has actually made you realize that you want to do an EDI related role no because I applied for it anyway well you were obviously gonna say no (laughs) 
Well, I, I was applying for an EDI role, meaning that I already knew I wanted to do an EDI role. And that was and in it, research. So it was you like. You seem more passionate about it since that application. I, I, you know what? No, I've always been quite passionate in it throughout my whole PhD, I'd say. Like I would, and it, it was research. So it was, it was more the fact that I was, it was more the, it was more the enjoyment that it would be part time research and would yeah. tie me over as well with my PhD. Also, what, it's a, it was a really interesting project. But you also, passed. I just gone. that was a big fat failure then. Yeah, I think so. A big fat I, failure. You know what though? When I was saying it, I think that I could pull something from it. No, which stop is it. so bad. <laughs> I do think it was just a failure, and like I would have created a CV because I needed a job elsewhere. I, I don't think like I don't think oh, but at least I had a CV from it, or at least I had a personal statement from it. I would have had to do that again anyway. So it's not really to yeah. me that doesn't seem like a learning curve. Um, but I do think what it did do was help me realize and adjust my expectations and um because I became really disheartened about it and I sort of ran with it didn't I I took that and I was like expected to get it and well maybe I didn't expect to get it but I took it and I was like oh I'm gonna do this with it and this with it and this with it and actually it helped me yeah. realize that I need to manage my expectations so it's annoying because we're that we're that we're, we're the um well, optimists, aren't we then also maybe it is the case because I was just trying to think about my failures, which obviously I've had lots, is that maybe just because you eventually learn something from a failure, it doesn't stop it from being a failure. Yeah, because I think that's that's what we're struggling with here is that all the failures that we can think of that felt at the time just like big fat failures. I eventually now look back and think, actually, do you know what? I'm quite glad that didn't go that way because X, Y, Z, I'm here where I am now or whatever. but. But maybe that's maybe that's synonymous. Maybe you can fail and eventually learn something from it. It doesn't learning from it eventually doesn't make it a success. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And you don't need to find it. I think I think that's as well something that I am learning from this episode. You don't need to find something to learn from it. Like I remember when that happened, I was like, oh, I feel no, you don't. I feel crap. And like I need to figure out why, like. I shouldn't feel crap and why this is, you know, going to help me push forward and how I should feel positive about it and, you know, turning a negative into positive. And I think I think in that moment, I just needed to feel it and I just needed yeah, to feel this sucks and I failed. And and you know what? I'll reflect back on it and with a positive light, because you always do, especially with things that are painful. You always look back and don't acknowledge it or like you look at it in, in a way of learning. But yeah, so maybe maybe that's it. Maybe we just need to be such bit more um, realists. Less. Yeah. Nailed it. Should we get a quote? Amazing. I've got a quote from Denzel Washington. Denzel? Denzel. Is it Denzel? I love Denzel. Is it? What, is that how you say his name? Yeah, Denzel Washington. Yeah, okay. Denzel. He's a sexy, sexy man. He is a sexy, sexy man. And you know what? Can I just, I, I, before I talk about the quote, when I typed in failure, failing motivation on TikTok, it was horrible. I oh, I bet it that. was. It was just like a scroll of a sea of, I don't want to say that's horrible, but a sea of not just men screaming out motivation or like compilations of men's speeches, which again is unrepresentative of, you know, the... <laughs> the vast majority of the human population um it was mainly like people like joe rogan or like you know those people that oh, are like, like andrew are, tate and stuff yeah 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 that are like 
you like shouted. I was just so shocked. I was like, oh my God. This is like when people I actually... stumbled upon Denzel. I was like, hi Denzel. Yeah, people listen to that shit, but I'm sure Denzel's is lovely. Go on, hit us with it. It is. So he said, if you don't fail, you're not even trying. To get something you never had, you have to do something you never did. Which I think. Boom. Thanks, Denzel. I think it's bloody lovely. Thanks, you said Another good thing that said you can't fail. At, <laughs> you can fail at what you don't want. So you might as well take a chance of doing what you love, which I think is also yeah, nice. Two quotes from Denzel. Nice. There you go. And it taps Treating that you. thing of working out where you want to put your energy, isn't it? Exactly, exactly. Um, wow. This is super genius, guys. Well done, and Bethology. Yes. Love that. Well done, Beth. Um, and one last little thing, one last little favour from us today. If you're listening to this episode right now, please just rate the episode, not the episode, rate the podcast. Give it a little cheeky rating out of five. Closer to five, the better, please. Because um, we've got a lot of you guys and yet not so many reviews. So come on. Takes a second, give us a review. Molly's we'll love like, you for what, it. What the hell is that about, huh? Yeah. Come on. It doesn't add <laughs> like, up, all right? It literally takes two seconds and I don't think you realise how much it helps. Like I don't think you realise was yeah. It, it no one knows difference. how many listeners we have and like it's an indicator on on the how many reviews we have. So it's 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 good for us. It's good to help us keep going. Yes. Um and for people to see that, you know. We've got it's listeners. like a little it's a little win every time we see one. So yeah, <laughs> it actually is, we'd love yeah. that. But, but now we now we've asked in such an aggressive way, people are gonna be like one star, <laughs> yeah. one star, one star. <laughs> oh, that would make me sad. Yeah, please that don't do that. But we'll uh, we'll see you next week, guys. Go and fail. Bye. See you later, and go, let us know. Go 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 and fail this week. Enjoy. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>